correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here with my friend Steve. Hello. And we're going to talk about some RPGs, but first we're going to talk about the story told, Logan, Griffin, and the gang. Yeah, they actually, uh, well, they're another podcast here on D20 Network. Logan and Griffin have been co-hosts of that show for a while. They're in a lot of ways similar to us, kind of a grab bag thing where they talk about a lot of different smaller games, mix in some actual play. I think they're currently currently broadcasting their Promethean recording and they're working on another one, but I don't remember what it is, I think. But they also just this week on their own Discord server announced that they're adding a third person to the team, that being uh, someone named Kim, who is a cosplayer, voice actor, gamer, Etc. So uh, I haven't gotten a chance to, I, I don't even know if they've actually released any episodes with this new co-host, but uh, something to look forward to. And uh, it's a really good show. So, yeah, you know, Logan Griffin. And if they're adding a new co-host, I'm sure the new co-host will be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Really great people over at story told. We need to get them back on. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but we need to get them back on. She's also a part of their Promethean actual play. She's one of the players. Oh, cool. 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 Maybe we get them on to talk about their podcast <laughs> since they got some big actually, changes. Actually, I have an idea. Uh-huh. Remember, we've talked about City of Mist being interesting. Yes. They're doing a Serenity Mist, eh, Serenity, City of Mist actual play series as well called the Serenity Files. There we go. That would be worth talking about. And I backed the kind of spinoff from City of Mist, Otherworld Tokyo, uh-huh. the cyberpunk thing that moving along so maybe we make uh, some sort of something out of that like a two show thing see if i can get a hold of somebody from Santa oak that would be cool that would be cool all right so yes story told check them out they're very cool people and with that back to your regularly back to your regularly regularly scheduled program back to your regularly scheduled shenanigans yeah uh, I got really excited. So just as a side, I got really excited. I opened Drive Through RPG like I do when we record the podcast. And in Drive Through RPG, there was uh, Warframe Volume One, and I'm like, oh yeah, we got a Warframe tabletop RPG, but we don't. It's a comic book. Me shaking the fist at Drive Through RPG because why well, you got to sell comic books next to my RPGs? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. So we're talking about a topic that's, it's not a comfortable topic for me because I haven't had to deal with it very much, but I had to deal with it recently. And I don't think you've had to deal with it much. Not that I can remember. But it's a topic that has to be dealt with with the utmost of care. And that is cheating. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people cheat in tabletop RPGs, which is sad because it's not competitive. No. (laughs) And look, I mean, you'll have the things where someone gets something wrong on accident. Yeah. And they're they're calculating something with a wrong formula, but it's usually a genuine mistake. 
Yeah, I can excuse a genuine, you know, oh, I rolled a die and I added the wrong modifier. Hold on, that's not the number. I can excuse that. What I have a hard time with is consistently cheating the dice and doing things that are underhanded. So I'm not trying to call anybody out and I'm not trying to make this a big stink, but he doesn't listen to my podcast, so it's okay. I have a player in my weekly game who would roll a die, hurry up, scoop it off the table, hide all the sides, and then read me a number. And everybody else that was sitting around him was like, that's suspicious. That's weird. And so they started paying attention to what number was actually showing on the side of the die before he scooped it up. And I guess he was just telling me whatever number he needed to make it work. And so I had to have a awkward conversation. Um, so I think the first thing that needs to be addressed is I don't jump to conclusions quickly, right? Mm -hmm. So the first thing that happened was I had a player come to me and say, Hey, um, you know, we're, we're suspicious of so-and-so player. I think he's fudging his dice rolls, which I already knew that he was fudging his dice rolls. Sort of. I had a suspicion myself. Mm -hmm. I then was like paying attention. I told basically that player, like, keep an eye out for it. Let me know when it happens again. And so they were like, hey, he's still doing it. I'm like, all right. So now I know I have to have a conversation with somebody. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that I did that that I think is really important is I'm not a big fan of straight up confrontation unless you have to. Mm -hmm. Right. So I I tried changing how things were done at the table. The first thing I started doing was asking people straight up, what'd you roll on dice? What's your modifier? What's your total? We're playing D&D. These are all questions I ask out of just pure, you know, like I did it just as a way to not single anybody out. Mm -hmm. When that didn't work, I was like, okay, um, hey, we need to have a talk. And you just sort of start addressing that very carefully mm -hmm. by going, you know, look, there's been some questions about your dice rolls. You get really good rolls. You roll really hot. Some, you know, at really convenient times. What's going on with that? And in my case, I got lucky. I, I think he knew it was coming. He's like, yeah, man, I'm sorry. I, I, I was fudging my rolls a little bit, but I wasn't sure. And I'm like, hey, man, if you got questions, don't be afraid to be like, I don't understand what I'm rolling here or what I'm adding. Don't just roll dice and then make a number up and act like, you know, don't be afraid to be like, hey, what is what is this? What what am I adding to this? What's mm -hmm. my, you know, I'll, anybody at my table, including myself, will gladly help you figure that out. Mm -hmm. Most tables I've ever played at are that way. Yeah. If you're at a table that won't help you figure out what what dice you're rolling, maybe that's not the table for you. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, man, you know. Don't be afraid to ask like you're you're fine. And then I was like, just don't make up numbers like just just don't make up numbers. Just roll dice. And if you're not sure what you're adding, say, I'm not sure what I'm adding. And we'll go from there. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, man, I won't do that no more. You know, it's, it'll be OK. I'll be good. Like, OK. And it stopped. 
and luckily so so we've had two sessions since then one call out was enough he stopped doing it started asking more questions and not not afraid to do so i think and you can chime in at any point here but mm. i think the biggest thing with people cheating is you have to address it as carefully as possible oh completely i mean and it sounds to me and and uh, you know i'm not involved in this this is an in person thing you have going on i believe yes um but it sounds like you've probably got someone who's fairly new to gaming in general or I'm not gonna... okay so he said he's gamed a lot but it could also just be someone who you know what i mean who just doesn't understand this particular system okay I, I, I'm looking at this completely from the outside. Right, right. No, I, I, I hear a lot of I, people say they game a lot. Uh, there yeah. are a lot of people who consider playing Neverwinter Nights playing D&D. Yeah, there are a lot of people who... I yeah. understand that that's what it's based in. It's not playing D&D. It no. may even be modeled off the the rules engine. It's not playing D&D. Right. You push buttons, things happen. <laughs> right. I've not right. ever no, played I, it. No, I but... get that. I get that. Um... But I my, also, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. My hunch is this is a person who effectively is afraid of looking stupid and incompetent in front of the other people. That's my hunch. My hunch is that they're afraid of, oh, what will they think? Because I don't know how to do this. And that is not something you need to be worried about. No, no. And and so I think, you know, you did it exactly the way I would advise you. Know, first, try and do something to kind of catch it without targeting the individual because right. like I'm not a terribly confrontational person in the first place either, but then, you know, going to them and going, Hey, look, you know, like you did and you know, you need some help, et cetera, because we've both played at a table where we had new people coming in and specifically with D and D and I've been critical of it at, at certain points for this. Some of the language, even though they use, what are they calling it, natural language in a lot of the text? They're full of shit. It... <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to swear, but they're full of it. <laughs> it can be extremely confusing because you have the attack action and then you have an attack. And an attack can be part of the attack action, but it, an attack does not have to mean taking the attack action. And so it, it can really mess with people. We hit something else recently. Oh, I don't remember what we hit. I'd have to, I'll have to think about it. But we hit something else recently that was like that same exact thing in just because they used dumb wording. Oh. And, and so the other thing is perhaps the last table this individual played at was very, or there was at least someone at that table who was very <sighs> min-maxi in a bad way. Yeah, I, very optimal, I, optimal focus. Does that make sense? I feel that that's, I feel that that's also true. Is that they learned some bad habits from another table because they were worried about looking like a fool in front of people who were too concerned with dealing optimal damage mm -hmm. rather than enjoying the game. Right, and that's sort of why I was like, okay, we're gonna. And and like you said, I'm not a confrontational person. I don't want to have to have a conversation with you that goes, hey, man, why are you cheating at my D&D &D table? Again, I think I, I, and I, I get I 
I, I don't want to call anybody out here, but I get it. You know, sometimes life or whatever, but like, I, there's no reason to cheat at tabletop RPGs. There's no gain to it. No, it, there's, there's literally no gain to it. It's a, it's a game about you and a group of people doing a thing and telling a story collaboratively. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, you know, really crunchy or, or games like D and D that are combat focused sort of, fall short is because it then becomes an actual like game game that you win or lose. But we've said in the past, I I feel that if you're winning at a tabletop RPG or you're losing at a tabletop RPG, that's not a game I want to be playing. And that's also not the right way to be playing tabletop RPGs. Yeah. And and, I mean, look, I've, I've said we won in the context of an RPG before, but that was we as the group, the party. We, the party, defeated the the thing. Right. We didn't necessarily defeat the world. <laughs> and uh, maybe it's just my sense of humor, but those nights when the dice go cold on you oh, are yeah. usually funny as heck. Oh, yeah. That's when things start going sideways. And then you also have circumstances like, I mean, we joked about it, but the the they were table we met playing at playing deed there was some sort of curse at that table that if you played a paladin you could not roll good initiative yeah no and i it, it was I comical because i mean you've played with me i use the same d20 for everything i have a second one that i use of advantage disadvantage i'd roll fine in combat initiative i used to ask if i could roll a d8 instead because it would usually get a higher number than my d20 I straight up lent you dice at one point and just to be like, roll these instead. And it did not matter. Yeah. That table was cursed. But only for initiative. And then somebody else played a paladin and it was the same thing. Yeah. I don't know. That table was cursed. (laughs) But yeah, I get, you know, I, I just, I don't, I can't, I'm not a cheater. So I have a hard time getting my head into that headspace. And I know that's not calling anybody out. I'm not saying anybody on, on, you know, I'm not saying anything inflammatory here. If you feel like you need to fudge dice to have a great time, maybe that's the agreement that you and your table have. And you're just going to fudge, you know, numbers or dice or whatever. And you're going to have a good time at the table. But I said, you know, one of my things is that I don't like people to, you know, mess with their dice rolls. I think the key thing, though, there is you had another player at the table bring it to you right i think the the thing of it is is when another player is going hey this bothers me now it's a problem right now it's an issue like i can get over myself somewhat and be like hey man don't do that or just ignore it but when another player is like oh man i'm not having a good time anymore because they're cheating that's when it's a problem right that's when it's like that that's what makes it cheating i think in a lot of ways yeah it's that it's it's somehow impinging on the fun of the person next to them. Right. And we've talked about like, we've talked about fudging dice on the DM side and how, like I've done that in the past, but it's never for, I I've never done it for anybody's benefit other than the players. I was going to say that's, I think the, the, the big thing that I think a lot of players, and then maybe this goes back to the old, you know, adversarial Gygaxian style of things that maybe sometimes, you know, the GM just wanted to hit you for a butt ton of damage. But for me as a GM, if my dice are cold and I can't hit the players, it 
kind of becomes this sort of amusement thing because the players are like, oh, yeah, he's not going to hit me. But also there's that dread of, okay, he, he hasn't hit us like six times in a row. Yeah. It's going to hurt when it finally happens, probably. Oh, yeah. I, I had that happen in our in our combat recently where they were like, oh, man, he can't hit nothing. And then I hit with his most powerful thing and I hit like three quarters of the party mm-hmm. and they all went, uh. <laughs> but like you said, I think nine times out of 10, if not 95 out of 100 or higher, as a GM, if you're fudging dice, you're actually making the NPC less effective. Right. Yeah, exactly. You're not, I, I don't, I just never in my entire time GMing. Well, that's not true. I one time, but just to, just to have a, just to have a better time. Cause they were getting bored with the combat that was happening. I buffed a combat, but that's the only time I've ever fudged dice. And that was just because everybody at the table, you could see the looks on their faces and I was losing them. Well, that's the um, player engagement stuff. Well, there is, but uh, 13th Age has a mechanical sort of thing to that. They use yeah. a thing called the es- es- uh, escalation die. And I, I'm not 100% certain how it works, but I think basically as combat goes, there's a. I think you just t- take a D6 because things don't usually last more than six rounds. As the combat goes, you just rotate this die up a face, up a face, up a face, and every everybody adds that to their action rolls. That's cool. Which is, you know, I, I'm not real familiar with the game, to be honest, but I've heard about that, and that it part of what it's intended to do is kind of eliminate that festival of misses. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. But, yeah, like, I don't know. Like you said, cheating, I mean, like, I... You do have people sometimes, maybe they're very insecure. And so they're, you know, but I think it's usually symptomatic. I think of, of in some way or other, that person isn't comfortable. Right. And probably really just needs to be reached out to and said, no, you're fine. Just have fun with this. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's another thing is that cheating can be a sign that it's, time to check on your players yes and you know i granted again i play in a group of randoms none of these people i knew before i started playing this D game none of these people like i don't really hang out with a lot of them like i do hang out with the one guy periodically but not like i wouldn't say he's a i wouldn't even go as far to say he's a friend he's an acquaintance mm-hmm. and it takes a little bit of like hey are you okay because like Usually, usually cheating at a game is like, so games are the tabletop RPGs specifically are already an unconscious outlet, right? Mm-hmm. We fall into these roles. We play these characters. We want to outlet some kind of stress that's going on. At least for me, when I play, I like to let off some kind of stress and, and relax and be somebody who I'm not. And if the person I'm not has to be winning, Maybe you need to sit down with the person that's, you know, and be like, are you going through something? Is is life happening? What's going on here? Like, mm-hmm. because that can be a sign that like, this is somebody asked, like reaching out and being like, I got to win at something because life's beating me down and try and be a person. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, now, okay. 
I think that's yeah. In in the in the context that we're talking about, I think that's it. And then, at what point does how do I want to say this? Optimizing and loopholing become cheating. To me, that's a a more egregious thing than someone who, so to speak, needs help or friendship. So I think the conversation. So that's a different conversation entirely. I think the big thing with optimization and and loopholing and doing all that stuff is set at either um, it's either set at session zero or set just right around session one with expectations to your players. I think Mm -hmm. if you as a GM don't want them to play their characters to the most optimal way, you need to lay that out and be like, look, we're here to have fun. I'm not looking for uh, I, I don't expect you guys to go out and and absolutely go nuts. I would like to keep this realistic. And I think that's also set within like in the confines of D&D. You're talking about what books you're using, what books they're allowed to use and pull resources from. And, yeah. you know, if you limit that then you're really trying to say to them, hey, look, I'm trying to keep these characters within this certain power level. Right. If you're going, ah, no, it's all fine, do whatever you want, then you're leaving it up to the players, and if they choose to go ham on optimization, that was on you as the GM to not set that expectation that you wanted out of that. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree there. And and to be clear, I'm not trying to say that I think that building it a well-optimized character is cheating. It's more the no, no, no. exploitation of loopholes, right? It's as the, your it's consistent. The, if I jump out of if I jump out of this building, I'm only taking X amount of damage and not, you know, that's not lethal. I can just do it. Yeah, for for lack of a better word, if exploiting a if a rules exploit becomes your stick, yeah. Well, it, yeah, kind of, kind of, but that's really weird and really gray. And because I've seen people really exploit a rules combo, but then play the character in such a way that I don't want to say it softened it, but it was, it was kind of a unique circumstance where the, the character was capable of just incredible amounts of damage. But if they didn't kill the thing, they were basically standing there in a bath towel. Oh, glass cannons. Yeah, I've seen glass cannons. I think but we're talking. In this I case, think, it was a physical glass cannon. Yeah, I think we. Uh, I think this was a table we both played at. So I'm remembering right. Not the one I'm thinking of, but. Oh, okay. Well, I know somebody at uh, somebody at a table that we both played at had glass cannon builds. But you know, it, to a certain. But like I said, specifically the way this person played the character, they intentionally kind of left that open a lot. Yeah. And so, yes, this character was capable of dealing incredible amounts of damage, but he, they played them very recklessly. Right. So it, it sort of Balanced counterbalanced out. the... Yeah. But yeah, the, the thing that I, I... The problem I think I have with the exploits thing, though, is a lot of times that's being done by that one player at the table who knows the system much better than everyone else. And I think what happens is it's not so much that they're doing anything wrong is it makes the rest of the table wonder what they're doing wrong. Right. Because especially if you have new players next to a player like that, they're going, 
Okay, oh, so well, he's what? doing 30 damage around, and I'm doing 7. Yeah, why can't I do that? Well, right. and I think that's one of those... I, uh, Yeah, I understand where you're coming from with that. I think, again, that's a... If it bothers you that... Like, if it's bothering you that another player is doing something and you don't want to directly address them, maybe take it to your GM and be like, hey, this bothers me that this player does this thing. Mm -hmm. And your GM can be the one to be like, hey, so um, what's going on here? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I think that's where, like, using your GM as an intermediary is kind of important. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would say, you know, if you're a player and, and you think someone at the table is cheating absolutely go to the gm first yeah don't don't go to that player first uh because that can make for a bad time unless you're really close with them yeah i mean they're, if they're, it was me and you and i thought you were cheating i would probably come to you and be like steve what the f are you doing <laughs> well yes but you know at which point uh, you know I a mean, conversation but, would ensue <laughs> yes but like i mean I just, like you said, I don't kind of, because half the time, do I get frustrated with my dice occasionally? Oh, absolutely. But it's also kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. I've been frustrated. I've been upset because I had an entire combat where I can't hit the damn thing. Or I've had an entire combat where, uh, you know, just you just whiff and whiff and whiff. And I've been upset. I've been mad. And did I fudge my dice rolls no i just mm -hmm. rolled the dice and was like oh that's the hand i'm dealt but yeah i've been there where i'm like man i could just i'll just tell them that i rolled something else and yeah i've thought about it but i'm not gonna do that yeah you know it, it it like i guess just the way that i've always viewed it like you said it's not a it's not a win-lose thing like not in the and even even in a case where like Oh, if I don't make this roll, we're going to lose the the fight. Well, I think that's that's still not like I have. You've played with me. I don't particularly like. I'm not averse to my characters dying. Yeah. Yes, I may really like them, and I don't want them to die. But at the I same think point, that oh, sorry, I'm not trying no, no, to get no. you off. At the same point, like if they do, then. I get to have fun making something new. Well, I think also, though, everybody needs to remember that there are two options during combat, right? Like if you're in a fight and you think you're going to lose, you can run or try to run to get away from that, whatever you're fighting and not lose your characters. And I think your GM would be like, oh, that's smart. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and run. Like, yeah, I think and that can come back to bite you later. You can run away and get stronger. But a lot of people don't think about it that way. A lot of people are like, nope, I'm here to fight the thing. I'm going to fight the thing and it's going to die. And oh, no, I'm dying. Right. Um, I think, too, mechanically, D&D &D doesn't make fleeing easy. Mm, maybe mechanically, but as a GM, you should be able to facilitate a flee. Yes, I agree. I think that if your players are expressing that they wish to flee the combat, you should be doing things like, okay, uh, so you can see an alley, and you're all going to have to make some kind of check or do some kind of thing, but you can 
see an alley to get away or you can yeah. see a way to escape or, you know. And the other thing to remember, too, as a GM is maybe sometimes your your villains or your your adversaries may want to flee instead of standing there and fighting to the death. Oh, or man. It's, it's wearing me. down and the players are like, oh, crap, we better bug out. And the bad guy's going, I only had two hit points left. I'm going to let him go. Let me tell you a story about wishing I could get my character or my NPC away. Um, so I've been, I uh, run in this D&D campaign and I built uh, a character that was a wizard. And I was like, okay, I want him to be one of the big bad guys, right? Like I have two major bad guys mm -hmm. and they just fought basically what would be the mid series boss. Right. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to think about it, like, like in TV show terms, right. Season break cliffhanger. Right. And I, my plan was for them to maybe not beat him, but beat him down enough that he could get away. And then the players expressed that, Oh no, no, we don't want to kill him. We want to take him as a prisoner of war. And I was like, I'm just going to let you have him. Um, he's, he was going to run, but uh, uh, he ain't running now because I want to see what your plans are for him. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I, that just a side tangent of of something hilarious that happened. They fought like a fifth level lich um, or th they fought like a, a mid level lich that they just were like, OK, we're going to put these uh we're going to put these manticles that we had from way back when that like suppressed magic power on him. And uh, he's going to be our friend now. And we're going to get soft tacos later. <laughs> and, and I was just sitting there like, you know what? Yes, he is. Yes, he is your friend now. He hates it, but he is going to come with you everywhere you go. It's like, the, what is it? That one in the, in Clone Wars at one point where, uh, Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Dooku are all held captive by... <laughs> Actually, I think it happens a couple times. It does. Yeah. It's, it's you know... But now there's a, there's an interesting approach to it, too, to bring up if you've got a player that, so to speak, feels like they need to cheat, make sure you show them that it doesn't have to be in the middle of the street, you know, knock down, drag out every time. Yeah, no. You know... Show them that there's options. <laughs> the retreat or call it a draw. Yeah. You know, in, in gameplay. I think sometimes you have to do that in a fight to, to show them that that's an option. You need to do that in a fight where the players are going to win hand over foot. Right. So mm -hmm. in, in, in a, a situation where like you say, we take fifth level characters and we throw a, a string of just, basic goons at them that are would be maybe a challenge for a first level party, but is not going to be a challenge for a fifth level party. Mm -hmm. I think at that point you go, all right, and they're going to run and the players go, we've had the option to run like, yeah, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like they're going to yeah. pick a fight with you. One of their buddies is going to go down and they're going to be like, no, we're getting out of here and just scramble off. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think, I think most times, you know, and in specifically the circumstance you described, the player wasn't cheating to be malicious. 
or really to gain an advantage. I mean, yes, they were trying to look at more, more effective, but that wasn't, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't, they weren't, you know, holding a card up their sleeve in a, in a poker sense. I guess I, I, I understand what you're saying. I, yeah, I'll, I'll just agree with you. And, and, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like they, they weren't, they weren't cheating to, they weren't trying to beat the other players per se. No, they were trying to beat me, the GM, and look impressive to the other players. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying now. If, and I don't know that I've ever encountered this, if you have a person who is legitimately cheating just because they think they have to be the biggest, baddest character at the table, then, I mean, boy, that that becomes a whole other situation. And I think at that point, it's a sit down and go, look, um, I understand, you know, this is maybe this is how you play. And if it is good for you, but it isn't meshing well with the rest of this table. Right. So that's a lot tougher conversation to have. That is a lot tougher conversation to have. I will admit that my conversation was pretty easy. But at the same time, though, that is a conversation that you end up having and being like, maybe this isn't the table for you. And that's one of those where it's at your discretion to either give them a second shot or not, because most people in that situation are going to be like, Oh no, 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 no. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be kicked out. Like asking somebody to leave your table or suggesting that this isn't the table for them is oftentimes like, Unless it, unless it's severe, 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 is oftentimes the last thing you want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so I think in this case, in that particular case, you know, it's at your discretion. I would probably, unless you've given them like four chances and they haven't shaped up. Like if this is the like fourth time you've had this conversation, then it's clearly like, all right, man, you're done. Like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like it's not a, a a conclusion you want to jump to. No, and and I think it's to be done with the most discretion possible. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's and that's a rough spot. And I'm not saying you'll never hit that kind of person, but they're few and far between, or at least yeah. they've been in my experience. They've been in my experience as well. I've, I mean, you've been playing longer than I have, but I've been playing. I realized this like. Come this July, I've been playing tabletop RPGs for about 20 years at this point, because uh, I started when I was 10. <laughs> yeah, so you started much younger than I did, So, and I had some periods where I didn't play much because of various things. Um, so we're probably not that far off, just I have chronologically longer than you have. Yeah, I, um, I had my mother actually reminded me, because she was like, oh, remember you used to play D&D back in, you know, back in the day with, with her best well her best friend's sister so it was like oh that's right i forgot about that it's like yeah i was like 10 um so i realized that like as of the end of july i will be i will have been playing tabletop rpgs for 20 years not saying well <laughs> not saying i played <laughs> tabletop rpgs well for 20 years uh but i just played them <laughs> hey we all got to start somewhere but what do they say 10,000 hours to make a I don't think I'm anywhere close to 10,000 hours, but it's like 10,000 hours to make a professional. That that time scale. Yeah. Yeah, because there was a lot of years where I didn't play either, so I know that feeling. 
but yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like you just got to do it, and and everything you know we've talked about it a lot. Everything's done with the utmost discretion. Do it and don't be like rah 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 unless you have to be. I mean, if you have to be, then Wheaton's law. Yeah, don't be a dick. Yeah, and but that's a two way thing, right? Because if the other person is, then well, sometimes you got to call them out on it. Sometimes you just got to return that energy. But so any final thoughts? I mean, no, I think it's got to be handled case by case. But, you know, yeah, just be be cautious about it. Be nice, be kind and just talk it out. Because I think in most circumstances, it's more of a misunderstanding than. Yes. Than. Yes. Legit cheating if that makes sense i think that's life though i think a lot of things are more a misunderstanding than malintent there's the word i was looking for well that's a lot of heavy thoughts why don't we it move is. into something a little less heavy maybe possibly maybe. little mm. like what uh game of the week game of the week Woohoo! game of the week game of the week all right you go first or my go first can go first. All right. So I was scrolling through drive-thru today and something caught my eye. Okay. And it's this thing called Hunters of Victorian London, which is a Tricube Tales one-page RPG. You got some werewolves in London or what? Well, it is... Warren Zavon singing a song. <laughs> in... <laughs> hey, look, I love me some Warren Zavon. Um... We'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it's inspired by movies and TV shows such as Van Helsing or Penny Dreadful, um, probably some kind of Sherlock Holmesy vibes, because I mean Victorian London. But this led me down a little bit of a trail. So the the thing I stumbled on initially, like I said, it's called Hunters of Victorian London. It's a little one page thing from Zadmar Games. The PDF will set you back all of fifty cents, but the author has put in a listing that you can just download the full thing by clicking the publisher preview. So basically they're saying you can buy it if you want to, but I just want you to play my games and have fun. And if you think it's worth it, come back and give me money. But anyway, so that led me though, to following a link to find out about what this tricube tales is. Cause it, it's a really simple, obviously one page thing, right? Real simple rules, like very basic character creation thing where basically you Characters made up of an archetype, a perk, and a quirk. So, like, your this could be a single sentence, such as, an agile masked vigilante who is skilled with a rapier and loves to humiliate, humiliate his foes. That's your character. Nice. That's slick. And and so it uses one to three, one to three dice. And anyway, I ended up clicking on and followed the, the core of the system. Now, if you go all in and get the printed book, so the, the print-on-demand book, plus the, and it's only released as a phone PDF. It's not actually a full-size PDF because it's just not that. Yeah, so it'll have depth. the weird, it'll have the weird orientation. It'll read right on your phone. Yeah, it won't read right anywhere else. <laughs> well, the individual says that actually if you put it on a laptop or a desktop in two-page view, it works uh, well. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but if you go all in and get that, it's going to cost you all of $5. <laughs> plus shipping probably if you just want the phone pdf the core thing is a dollar 
And there are tons of micro settings for this. Let me send you a link to this just so you can see what I'm talking about. You know, and, and most of these micro settings are like the, that's what this Hunters of Victorian London that I found was, is one of the micro settings for it. And they're actually designed as kind of one page things built around these core rules that you don't really need because the core of it is already on the page that you get in the one page thing. So, yeah, I just thought this is a really, really neat concept, really fun, light. And we've been playing some stuff recently that is very much in this minimalist. In that vein, yeah. And it, it actually becomes a lot of fun because you don't feel Tied down. pressured by the expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's more like, here's some stuff, make stuff up. Cool. Yeah, so like I said, this is called Tricube Tales is the is the core system, and and I'll throw a link to either this this core thing or or the Hunters of Victorian London, or maybe both in the show notes. But uh, and in the Hunters of Victorian London, also Rick Hershey did the artwork. Ah. so uh, it's pretty cool. Um, I have one. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine is much like yours, cheap. It's pay what you want. Uh huh. It is called Afterverse can send it to you if you'd like to see that sure oh that looks cool yes um so the universe is a rough place you're now in the thick of it uh whether you're fighting bacterian occupation that begins almost as soon as first contact is established exploring the new frontiers of space after humanity throws off its chains or working towards the unification of all species on the orion arm of the milky way galaxy after pers- Afterverse puts the universe in front of you and sets you against it. Uh, this feels very... And I don't want to say this because I don't have a lot of experience with Stars Without Number, but it feels very Stars Without Number. Ex- stars Without Numbers, except lighter, faster, less less involved in, in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, it uses a D6 system uh, that they describe as versatile and powerful. powerful. Uh, minimizes unnecessary dice rolls and keeps gameplay flowing smoothly. So that sounds fun. Mm-hmm. It seems really neat. It seems really deep, but not super, super deep. Like mm-hmm. almost, it, it seems penetrable and not as impenetrable as a lot of things do in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a big game too. Over 350 pages. Yes. And it's pay what you want. And, mm-hmm. uh, Last June, if you bought it, or uh, I'm sorry, in June of 2020, it supported Black Lives Matter, but that sort of has ended. I don't know if that's still true. It's still in the the listing, so you can whatever you end up paying for it goes towards that. I uh, it did at one point. I don't know if it still does, mm-hmm. but it seems like a really cool game. Seems like something I'm definitely. I I mean, for pay what you want, I'm picking it up. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. at least throwing them five bucks and picking this up. And I mean, it's worth more than that, but you know, mm-hmm. I give what I can give. <laughs> yeah. No, it looks interesting. Yeah, it does. Doesn't it? It looks really cool. I want to get reading on this. So I might have something, I don't know, trying to find another con game, which reminds me, I got to submit my games for PGX. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yikes. Yes, PGX is coming. We need to get uh, Alex and and Wiz back on. I know we got to get them both on. Mm-hmm. But PGX is coming, folks. Don't forget 
yep. end of end of September. September 30th, October 1st, I believe. Yep. As always, links to everything are in the show notes. Uh Facebook, Patreon, Discord, um Twitter. Twitter. That's about it. Yeah. Uh, I am now back from my vacations and stuff, so I should be back on the show a little bit more frequently. Uh, <laughs> life kind of went sideways on me for a minute there, but we got yeah, it. Well, you and me both. <laughs> yeah, but we we sorted it through, and so this summer you'll be hearing a lot more of me. <laughs> um, but I want to thank everyone need, for need you to talk when there's someone else on the show. I know <laughs> it's it's hard <laughs> sometimes. I'm a big mouth. I admit it. Well, but. You also ask the questions that, like, we don't write nothing down. And yes. You always ask the questions that I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask this. And then you're already asking it. I'm like, Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm going to be, I'll be like, okay, well, I want to ask this. But they answered it in like a, a long roundabout way since you already asked. I'm like, no, that's why I don't like that. And also I'm sometimes in awe of the guests that we have on and just sort of sit here in silence of being like, okay, I'm taking a master class with uh, Jay little. Let me just like, <laughs> yeah, it, well, it is weird. It, it is a strange thing. And I've noticed too. And I don't know if, if this is something you're conscious of, you seem to be much shyer on the internet than you are in person. I am. I am much shyer on the internet than I am in person. Um, Which is the inverse of most people. Well, that's because I know in person how I come across. I know that in person I can like literally feel the energy of a room mm -hmm. versus online. I have a hard time gauging people's reaction to me. And so I'm a little apprehensive sometimes. Fair. That's introspective time with Steve. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing I've noticed, though. It's like, I don't understand. Because I, it really stood out to me when we went to PGX last year. Because like when we did the panel, you're just like calling at random people out of the crowd. Like, hey, this. What, you know, and I'm like, I can barely get him to talk when we're interviewing somebody. And now he's just randomly calling out someone who walked by. I know. I know. <laughs> well, that, partially that. So I'll talk to that a little bit. I did a lot of panels at cons and that was back when i was into anime and i used to help my friends do anime panels and part of that is like sometimes you sit in an empty panel room and have to get people's attention so that they come in and listen to what you're talking about mm -hmm. and so i got used to being the obnoxious guy who is always like out here going hey hey you walking down the hallway come here so that's just a just a fact of life. But yeah, no, I I am I'm, I'm trying to get better with the guests. Some guests I'm fine with. Some guests I'm just too awestruck. <laughs> I guess I don't know. But uh, yeah, as always, like we said, links to everything are in the show notes. I want to thank everyone who's listened this far, and uh, we're not going anywhere. We'll be here for a while at least. But. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to remind you to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep, take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at meandsteverpgpodcast. On Discord at meandsteverpgs. 
And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you, and be kind to one another. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. Sorry, I didn't exactly mean to call you out like that. <laughs> no, it's it's fine. Like I said, sometimes it, it's literally like I'll go to ask the question and you'll be asking it actively. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it, it it's like you read my mind and it's like hard to because I'll be like, oh, man, you'll be like, talk. And I'm like, uh.